0: Hey, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast. Uh, got your usual crew here. I'm Paul Gillette. Got Chris Palomares and, of course, James Lincoln. April and May were just totally crazy with the move.
1: I think oh, it, I bet.
0: So over the past eight weeks, we just had a... I put up two modules just so I had some place to stack all the... Axion boxes and the locomotive boxes, and but I can't do anything in here further till the plantation shutters get installed, which is the end of next week, because they have to have access to the walls where the windows are. So I've got the plan as soon as that happens. I'll get the modules in here, get them set up, and that frees up space in the garage where I can move stuff around, get some junky shelves left in the house, hauled away, and then bring in new shelves. I mean, it's a a series of events, and it seems to go so slow. So a project I had started, oh, late February, uh, actually early February, of remotoring some P2K SD9s. Found one, that I went, shoot, one's not uh, nice, let's get a second. Oh, look, a third. So, mm-hmm. remotored them. At the time, I started to remoter them. I couldn't find uh, the usual Kato motor, so I found three brand-new RTR Atherton motors, bought them. Put them in smooth as silk. Yeah, changed out the drive. So they were Come drop-ins? In. Yeah. Oh, dropped right in. Hex nice. drive. Got A-line's uh, drive shaft with the hex connector. Bought Atheron uh, new worm gears. Put those in. Tore the trucks apart. Made sure there were no, Yeah, you know, crack gears, which didn't seem to be a problem on SD9s. Rebuild everything. You know, cut the frame apart, uh, all the weights to fit, and put in LED headlights, rear lights, upgraded all the windshield wipers, all the antennas, and all that stuff with new, more more scale parts. Put in ground lights, and an economy. So when I got here, and I started unpacking, I went, ah, there's the SD9s. So I started researching with JT over scale sound systems mm-hmm. uh, what would be a good speaker to fit up in there because he had not done anything for an SD9 specific. So one hmm. of his UFit series, series, yeah, his universal fits, and I said, this is good. I'm going to have to put legs on it to clear the drive shaft. I said, but I want to do it in the, he calls it the COVOL, which is the uh, iso Barrett, you know, two speakers in the chamber. I bought one, prototyped it, and it came in here, and then last week, I said, I made a place on a desk where I could safely put a soldering gun and stuff like that and do some, some work. And... Got it in. It took two or three days because I didn't have the right styrene and oh, no. didn't have the right thicknesses or the angle shapes or anything. So I went to the local hobby store. It's, it's still in Plano, but it's 10 miles away. As I drove down, bought some sheep, came up, experimented with how to mount this, make it, make it fit, and got it in. And the body wouldn't set level. And I went, well, what the heck is this? So I looked, yeah, I had extra room so I could drop the legs down. That wasn't a problem. But up in the top of the shell, where the four because 9s had four radiator fans on the top of the hood, between that and the where the dynamic brake fan would be, Lifelike had put a tab and this tab projected down and hit the speaker. And that's why it was high centering. So, oh boy, and you can't get leverage on snippers or anything there. So, it's just pat it, hold it, and gradually with a number 11 blade, cut the edges till you get it down flat. Put it back in, still a little bit of a high center. And I'm looking. In the meantime, I'd found my magnifying glass and uh, LED work lights. And I went, it's the screws on the fans. Because the two-piece fans, you got oh. the items. And they were hanging down. So I just popped them out. Yeah. Snipped them off and then filed them and then put just a, just a hint of super glue in there. And that took care of it. Then all of a sudden, huh. it... Uh, fit fine. So I put them on the test track, found the test track, then I found the test track controls and all the wires about a week later. (laughs) I (laughs) made a place by stacking up moving boxes to put the test track. Found my test roller so I could run this thing up through the notches and started playing with the sound. So I'd already done some pre-programming with the lights and... uh, you had sent me a speed table, and I've installed that speed table you sent me. And every locomotive I rework, the only thing I've done to it, Chris, at 165 at that, that value, then I just yeah. flat it out like that's I'm limiting the top speed instead of going up 255. 55.
1: Yeah. Cause when it's pretty I, amazing, I, isn't it? Yes.
0: Yes, every locomotive, even the passenger units, because on the small railroad, yeah, it's going to be five laps around before you get up to to value 255. So I had begun. One of the greatest
1: secrets of the tsunami too is like unlocking those low speed registers.
0: Yes, yes, and these things, all three of them, just brand new out of the box. Chris were just dead nuts on up to about uh, speed set. 10 or 12, and then two of them were still in perfect sync, and one of them started going higher, higher, higher. So I just went into the equivalent, yeah, a little trial and error there, and and reduced values to bring it down. Because once you got past that speed step 40 or something, it was back in sync. So it was just had this hump that needed to be settled out. So I got that all taken care of. So I started uh, playing with the graphic equalizer because uh, the Kovals that JT makes with that extra driver in there and the way he does the, the sound chamber has a lot of bass. I mean, they'll go down to 150. Yes, does. So there the bass was clean, but, you know, the 567s, had a very distinctive whine as the uh, notches went up uh, from the generator and stuff and uh... traction motors so i tweaked the lower mid-range mid-range mid-mid and the upper mid-range to get that whine working in concert with the the rumble and the the low speed steps and i just posted a demo video on uh... My blog. I'd put a blog on MRH the other day about the process of converting these locomotives, and uh, so I just added the video, the to sound today. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is going to be a small railroad. <laughs> this this entire house is 200 square feet bigger than the one we had in New Orleans. But oh, really? But the arrangement. It's like two of the bedrooms are slightly bigger than what we had in New Orleans, but they have smaller closets because this house has a big open two-story foyer, whereas there was an open stairway in New Orleans, but it was only roughly 12 by 12. This one stretches out, and there's a big balcony around the, the top where all the bedrooms are, and that eats up into storage space. So I bet everything's crammed and I could have taken the bigger bedroom, but I went, you know, we're going to have company. Our bedroom furniture won't fit in that small fourth bedroom. So I'll come down and do it. So I'm going to make a smaller railroad. Uh, So I've got four foot modules. Okay. So if I put two of them together and then butt one go down the other wall, once I get around the room, I've got 4 10-foot straights, and they're two-foot wide. I'm going to reduce two of them down to just 12 inches wide. And by shrinking them down like that, both the closet and the entry doors are double-wide doors. So I can open those doors, walk into the closet oh. where all the storage will be, I'll put cool. shelving in there, and then... Walk in, so I've been researching okay, how can I get a lot of modeling in 10 uh, foot runs? Yeah, you know, a lot of scenery and stuff. So I've got some ideas on that. And after the end of next week, I can start moving modules in. But you know, when you move them in, you got to move boxes out of the way to move them in <laughs> so that I can get stuff stored. That's okay, it's a process. So, and then my wife's got. Oh, probably 25 paintings and large photo things that have got to be mounted on walls. And I know it's going to be, well, we could mount pictures if you've got time to not work on your railroad.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. oh, we all know what the safe answer to that is. Yep. <laughs> so the Dallas, well, up here in Plano, I've already found a couple of model railroad clubs. Uh, there's about five or six hobby stores just up in the northern part here. And there's one or two that are trains only, but they've gotten gotten mixed reviews. It sounds like, yeah, they're there, but the guy's only there part-time. And so it's unreliable when you drive there. Is he going to be there? Is he going to be open? So right. I've been using Hobbyland Incorporated. He's, he's more into... RC, remote control stuff, but he's got a lot of Atheron locomotives, a lot of uh, proto stuff, and he's got all kinds of scratch building supplies and paints. I've never seen such a paint offering for airbrushes and washes, weathering and this and that, and they're nice people, so and it's only a 10 minute drive away, so go there, but I do you have to find uh, Chris Atkins, who's on the uh, MRH forums. He lives not too far away. Uh, oh no, Tim! Right, and he's mentioned a couple clubs and stuff. He's been doing a lot of traveling up in the Upper Midwest. So when he gets back in town, I hope to connect with him and uh, get his opinion on uh, uh, some clubs and stuff. But if you know, New Orleans is on the Gulf of. Uh, mexico and we lived right out the lake the humidity there was nothing compared to here oh. so it's only 82 oh, no. oh. it's only 82 this morning because of all the storms that we went through yesterday and the guy we bought the house from in the three or four years he owned it got it all three uh, bathrooms got it. the kitchen and redid everything from the floors up. And he did a good job, but he didn't touch the landscaping. And so there's three big pecan trees, four, actually four big pecans, you know, the nuts that everybody likes down here on the property, but they've all got to be trimmed. And there's flowers everywhere, but they've just become like just, locked into each other because they they need to be thinned and stuff. So that's what I was doing this morning. And after about two hours with a mattock and a shovel and stuff like that, I am just, I'm drenched. I've been drinking water like a pig. And I was totally wet. And so after about two hours of that, I walked back. This house has got a pool about the same size as what we had in Phoenix. And I just... Yeah, took the shirt off, grabbed a chair, sat down, drank water, and then let my buddy ease into the pool. The water's still only like 80 degrees. <laughs> it's, it's still a little bit of a thermal adjustment period needed there, but it felt good today. So, uh, you know, we had that had that conversation with Blaine at uh, Hadfield and then yep. talked with Nick. Uh, Santos about the decoder buddy Uh just as a side note I did a one of the blogs uh, Featured putting in a decoder buddy uh, As I remotored and put in a 21 pin decoder Okay, and and so he came to visit us in New Orleans right before he moved and Uh so we're up there talking about it and I said even though this is a Proto E9, once you get the you know the frames cut down, the weights and all that stuff, and you got JT speakers in there, I said there can be a height problem on the 21-pin type decoder, be it yeah. uh, any of them. And so he and I got talking. And I said, you know what we need is a harness that will mimic the 10 pins lay flat into the decoder body and then go over uh, an inch, inch and a half on a typical diesel and go into the appropriate uh, probably female nine pin so that you can yeah. move that height problem out of the way. And so he said, well, let me think on it. So we chit-chatted and uh we did the the podcast on his board. Uh those things have started selling like hotcakes. In fact he's already sold out the the first thousand piece run and he's got more installers coming to him, you know, wanting to buy more, wanting to do this, do that.
1: Well that's and, awesome.
0: Oh it is. It you read the blog and his approach, because I detail the approach in there, you have the motherboard, just like a, an MCS from a uh, train Systems. You've got that, but what he does, he puts a small removable PCB, and it's a plug-in, that has all the connectors that go to lights, speaker, anything that might be attached to the shell so when you open it up all you got to do is just lift that off and you can totally separate the body away from the, the main motherboard just very innovative, very ingenious so yeah we had been um. here about a week and i got a forwarded envelope from him and he made up three motherboards with uh, i think he used the tcs male, female, uh, 21 pin adapters. He says, here, try these out. So I'm gonna go in and find a locomotive that uh, has a real tight fitting, but has a lot of room in the cab, and try this out. So he's got those. And I think he and JT have actually been talking about some uh, items too, maybe a possible collaboration because With the speakers and stuff, because JT does a lot of installs besides making speakers. Can I
1: get those decoder bodies through JT's website, scalesoundsystems.com?
0: That or, but if it's okay with you, I'll send him your email. He would like to send you some samples to try.
1: I'd love that.
0: Uh, That sounds
1: like... That sounds exactly like what I've been looking for on a couple installs I've been working on.
0: Okay. So I told him, I said, I said, I appreciate your, you know, wanting to protect Chris's privacy. I said, let me confirm that it's okay. And then I'll send you his email. So I'll send that to him tomorrow. So, and speaking of JT, he's now got steam.
1: Yes. Have you tried any yet? I haven't tried any of those yet. You know, it sounded like there was a, a time where he was trying to find a new driver to to you know continue forward with. He did he and, found uh, a, I, a new source. I, he sounded he found a new source. And yeah. I, when I saw that email pop up, I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still I'm kind of like lagging on a couple installs right now, but once I get those a little bit further along and even completed, then I'm gonna make another another grab on JT's site.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I ordered the speaker. I had to get some more. I like his LEDs. And uh, I got another decoder or two because I've still got locomotives I want to do. Uh, but, yeah, I'll send your information to Nick. He'd love to have your opinion and stuff.
1: So I'd, I'd love to chat with him about this. It's really piqued my interest.
0: Okay. All right. Well, speaking of peaking interest, what can you talk about that's new and coming down the pike at uh, Ather?
1: Well, we have we launched the SD90 Mac, uh, the Phase 2 version of the SD90 Mac H. Okay. That, that went pretty well. Uh, we have some new locomotive projects coming up a little bit later this year. So be on the lookout for those. Um, okay. And there's also some stuff kind of in in development that's going to be announced a little bit sooner, probably by the time that uh, this podcast is uploaded. No kidding. Uh, cool. Yeah, there, there's there's something kind of new brewing underneath uh, for Union Pacific guys, and we're excited to uh, be a part of that. So,
0: we're going back. Just clarification on the ninety Mac. Okay. Uh, the only one of those I've ever seen was Kato did it, and that was a number of years ago. And so you're doing, what, uh, Phase 2 on it? or?
1: Well, the Phase 2 is different than what the Kato has
0: okay. done.
1: Okay, I uh, just
0: picked up on SD90, so.
1: Yeah, right, right. EMD didn't have just a one-size-fits-all SD90. There, there were three major releases, I would say, to the SD90. The first one is kind of like what the, the one Cotto did. The second, and that was the what they call the 9043, where EMD hasn't totally fleshed out their 6,000 horsepower engine yet. So they delivered them with uh, a standard 710, 4,300 horsepower prime mover with the thought that, hey, you can switch it out to the 6,000 horsepower once we get there. Then the SD90 Mac H, the, the the Phase 1, and that had the teardrop-style uh, cab windows, kind of uh, looked very, very similar to the, the, the changeable 9043s. The difference was kind of like on an SD70 Ace on top of the engine compartment, there's a more pronounced bevel okay. right where the engine is. Yeah. On the on the ones, so those are flat. Now the Phase Two is the last SD90 Mac H ever produced. Had a very similar cab look to the SD70 Ace. Flat windows, no teardrop. They, they were um, a little a little shallower on the nose. A little, so the, just the dimensions so, look different. So in other words, ugly. yeah yeah they were very ugly (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay just 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 clarifying clarifying. and we did the ugly one (laughs) excellent excellent
2: well which is good because the other ones have already been done so it's you might as well do the one
1: that hasn't been done right and uh it was also our first time uh, revealing a, a, an Australian prototype for us, uh, uh, just in general market. We we've we've done sort of special run Australian locomotives in the past, but this was the first time that we offered it as just in our line. So that that was pretty exciting for us, and uh, we really enjoyed, you know, kind of opening up a new market.
0: Let me ask you about because you're talking new products. Uh-huh. Earlier this year, you guys had the really improved tunnel motor frame assemblies come out. Uh-huh. Had the redesigned trucks and everything. How did that go?
1: It's going. Okay. The, you, uh, the people that have bought the RTR tunnel motor have really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was just kind of the quintessential tunnel motor in the rtr line that kind of had a, a good balance between you know budget friendly and and detail um we we actually had people confuse it for being genesis so that no <laughs> no, that's a compliment. yeah that kind of tells you something it was never intended to be a genesis model at all it's just one of those things that we we put just so many different improvements upon it uh run over run it was the first time it was offered with sound economy sound and um yeah it's just a good positive reaction to it and we're we're really pleased with uh how how things are turning. Okay. So.
0: Cuz I had ordered 3 mm-hmm. and yeah during the pre-order and right. the store I ordered them from went I closed down. Oh no. Yes. And so right before we moved, I thought okay these are really the only Southern Pacific freight locomotives I had because I had two tunnels and a, an Elephant Ear 45. I went, like, okay, I'm just going to sell them. So I sold them through that Mike's train shop there in Kenner, you know, New Orleans area. And I thought, okay, <laughs> can't, get the, can't get the new frames, and I'll just sell the other because I'd put Tsunami 2s in them. Oh, all wow. the lights had been converted to uh, LEDs. I'd put JT's uh, speakers in them.
1: Oh, and, my goodness.
0: But I didn't sell them for a song. <laughs> I did not sell mm-hmm. them for a song because they had all been weathered and everything. Right. And I thought, okay, we'll save our money for some more CSX chessy systems, you know, the blue, yellow, and vermilion. Uh huh. So. Yeah, I sold cars, sold buildings. I sold my big boy.
1: You sold your big boy?
0: Yeah, there's uh, It. There's, I've got video on my YouTube of it. At the, you, sold, uh,
2: you sold your big boy just in time for the real big boy to go back online.
0: I know. Isn't that amazing?
2: Uh, how depressing <laughs> is that?
0: That is just amazing. So, uh-huh.
2: Do you like You were probably like, they're never going to bring that thing back. I'll just sell this. And like the moment somebody said, yeah, I'll buy it. Like UP shows the video of it coming out of the roundhouse. No,
0: Amazing. (laughs) Well, Mike, the guy at the uh, Oscale store, that's what he specializes in. He had what on the Lionel is their legacy. Is that what they're? Top of the line locomotive series is Legacy, something like that. I think so. Yeah, something like that. So I'm in there and we're talking about the big boy because I brought it in had the, you know the fancy blue case and everything from Adler. And uh, I looked down in the case and I said, "That's a no scale big boy." He said, "Yeah, I've got 15 of them. Need one?" <laughs> I'm going you've got 15 of
1: these? 15 and of those things.
0: <laughs> I, I said, do you know how much money that's worth? And he's going, yeah, I'm well aware of what that value is. And then right beside it, coincidentally, Jim, was 84-44, which turned out to make oh, the trip with a lot of the big boys. And he didn't know it at the time that he had You know, predicted history right there when they started doing the break-in runs. Nice. Oh, it, uh, (laughs) yeah, even O-scale, it was beautiful. That's for sure. The.
2: Oh, I I mean the 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 locomotives that Lionel does. Yeah. uh, They're unquestionably gorgeous. I mean, I've seen their uh, the one that's really tempting to me is milwaukee road 261 okay. it is r- ridiculously beautiful
0: yeah he and yeah of course he's got collector stuff there and he, he had brand new f's from the new production and he brought out one of my generation's of 27 gauge and he said here compare what well, we played with as kids versus now and yeah, just like you say, it's amazing what they're doing with the non—I'm going to say non-toy line. Product. They,
2: have, I mean, they have if, if the if I mean at least with 261 and probably with all the new ones, the drawbar between the locomotive and the tender extends, so when it's going along straight track, it looks prototypically close together goes around a curve it'll it pulls apart to accommodate the tighter curves so yeah when it's going on straight track it it looks as good as any model that you'll see
1: cool idea wow what a cool feature
2: yeah i mean it's just i if you get a chance and and i'm talking about the ones from two or three years ago or from, or more mm-hmm. we're just you know it's like well it's a good thing they, they're um they uh They ended the production run. Otherwise, I'd be having to pull out my wallet. And somebody said, "Oh no, they're making them this year too." (laughs) Well, thankfully, I don't. Thankfully, I still don't have the money, so it's okay.
0: I know one of the guys that used to come into the store bought had purchased one from someplace, and this is like 2014, and it was like twenty six hundred dollars. He got a deal on it, and I'm going. You, 2600 bucks, and that's the deal. <laughs> I'm going. Wow.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, depend. Was this a big boy or a 261? No, big boy. Oh yeah, big boy. Yeah, I totally believe that. Uh, 261 when it first came out, the Lionel one first came out. You cannot get them for this. Um, when it first came out, they were about a thousand. Okay. You can't touch it for that. If you can find it, you can't touch it for that. Oh, so. okay. All
0: right. Uh, well, maybe Chris will keep that in mind when he brings out the box car.
2: <laughs> Chris, okay. Yes. As, as I want to make this perfectly clear, I didn't say it. <laughs> okay. I, I thought it about off. it. I did think about it and I said, you know what? I'm not going to drag that I'm not going to drag that joke out anymore. I'll stop.
1: <laughs> so, it wasn't me. <laughs> I still blame you.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, that's perfect. That's perfectly acceptable, but it wasn't me. <laughs> I had let it go. I had I had become one with the rejection.
0: <laughs> with the
1: rejection. <laughs> that, that's becoming peace with peace, yes. You know, I become I
2: come at peace with the rejection, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, we we're, we're, we've grown and moved beyond it. <laughs> Besides that, so you're going to some show this weekend, uh Jim.
2: Yes, I'm going to the NERPM, uh the New England Railroad uh, New England Railroad Prototype Models meet. Uh or yeah, it's always been a very good show. It's my favorite show. Um, the only show I like more than that one was the um, Craftsman Structure Show, which, you know, died a horrible death back in 2011, but or something like that. It was 2011 or 2012. But, yeah, no, it's a very good meet. It's uh, very well attended. It's, it's, I really liked it when it was in Canton, Connecticut. But they outgrew that, so they moved to a different venue which was i didn't think was as nice it was at a hotel and the hotel was okay uh and the the meeting space was kind of funky and now uh because of they're doing renovations and the hotel wasn't going to be ready for the time they needed it they had to move somewhere else and so now hopefully the display space and everything is going to be better than the old hotel. It's, all, it's always a great bunch of guys, great clinics. I'll be given a clinic uh, there uh, that no one will see because it's the last clinic on Saturday. <laughs> uh, so either people will be drunk and not paying attention or they just won't go because they're all, they've all gone home. So hooray.
0: Where is it? What city?
2: Ah, you would ask me silly questions like that. Um,
0: I presume you know because you're going. Well, it, it's
2: in Connecticut. Um, <laughs>
0: okay.
2: NERPM.org. Uh, it is in, where is the town? It's a town you had to drive through to get to, uh, it's in Farmington, Connecticut. We used to have to Farmington. Dr- Farmington.
0: Farmington,
2: yes. Farmington, yes. Okay. Are you, are you making fun of the accent I don't have?
0: That's right. That I was putting Bostonese on it, Farmington.
2: Uh-huh. You're trying. You're trying <laughs> to lure me in, and you failed. <laughs> so, uh, yes, it's in Farmington, Connecticut. You used to have to drive through Farmington to get to the original location. Uh, and, yeah, the original location was really good. It had some really great restaurants. It was very scenic. It had some really cool mill buildings in the area. Um, it used to be uh, rail served a long time ago uh, and you could see where a lot of the tracks were and things like that. But I, again, they outgrew the location and, um, had to move and now they had to move again and hopefully they stay in this location cause that'd be good. Cause if it's a bigger hotel with better meeting space, I think that'll work out good. So it's at the Farmington Marriott, 15 Farm Springs road, Farmington, Connecticut, May 31st and June 1st. I'll i I'll be getting there sometime midday on um, tomorrow.
0: Okay. Well, I've heard, uh, I think it was one of the gentlemen at the hobby shop said, yeah, he said there's two large model train, he called them a show, up here at the Plano Convention Center and
2: it sounds familiar, Plano. So.
0: Yeah. So that or Dallas. Dallas is just down the road, maybe 15 minutes. But so I'm hoping, you know, something really neat, kind of like what we had there, Chris and uh, Charlotte uh, year before last. That was a pretty
2: decent sized show. So. Yeah. He. So, yeah, that, that show in Charlotte was a uh, pretty decent size, wasn't it, Chris?
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, so, again, if I can catch up with uh, the other Chris, the Plano Chris. Actually, I think he lives more towards Denton, but uh, get some more information on that and timing. Thought about on um, if there's smaller shows going and getting a table and selling some stuff. Got like 30 years of railroad calendars. Uh, back when I used to work at ACF, we would get, you know, UP calendars and all that stuff. Everybody exchanged stuff. But I'm going, maybe somebody else will really enjoy these. bunch of Howard Fogg calendars and stuff like that. Uh, that and I've got some general arrangement drawings, EMD general arrangement drawings. I think we've got some SDP 45s. Uh, in some other drawings. I think even the uh, gs 4A4. I used to have a friend at, in engineering at SP. Hey, Paul, you need this? Sure. You know, you'd send me a drawing and you unroll it and it's eight feet long. You'd <laughs> be like, well, no, not really, but if you're going to throw it away, I'll take it. Yeah, because you unroll it and pin it up on a wall and the big dagger right. locomotive. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. They sent me the an original book of matches, never had one taken out from the California Zephyr. He oh, really? Not. Yeah. And the SP's daylight color chips for the daylight uh, colors back when they were running a train. They had all the paint matching specs. And he sent them, and I said, sure, send a puppies on. And, yeah, stuff like that's just interesting to feel it, touch it. Yeah, there you go. I had run into Shane. So I ordered one of his just because it was unique to me in Chessy system. Uh, well, CSX. Because Chessie had done modifications. Everybody was rebuilding the SD Forty dash twos, proving this and proving yeah. that. Chessy dubbed theirs the dash three because they made the cab higher, so it's got a very distinct look. And they all came out with what they call the box car logo. So you've got the CSX with two bracketed ends and four wheels under it.
2: So right, okay, so it's a CSX engine, not a Chessie engine. Right, right.
0: not Chessy, CSX.
2: So it's a piece of junk.
0: So (laughs) what (laughs) I'm going to do with it, thank you very much, is put it at the head of my CSX corporate ease. And for the corporate train that I've got, I got a, I don't know, I think it was originally supposed to have been in like eight or nine months or something like that after I ordered it. And so just before – Christmas, when uh, the, the New Orleans house wasn't for sale, I called him and I said, did these ever come in or whatever? He said, oh, no, they'll be in uh, probably early spring. Well, they got here about two weeks ago. Unfortunately, <laughs> fortunately, he, I kept my Arizona cell phone because that's the number he was calling. Do you still want your locomotive? I said, yes, I do. And I got it. It's a, I haven't run it, obviously, because I bought the DC version. I'm going to put uh, Tsunami 2 in it. And uh, mm-hmm. I've already ordered and received the uh, isobaric uh, speaker that JT makes for the, the locomotive. And because uh, the factories come with, uh, ESU and good decoder but I just really loved the graphic equalizer capabilities on the Tsunami so that influenced me to go just by DC and then just put my own decoder and stuff in it and speakers
1: so oh, sure.
0: that's just me but I give them credit for uh, you know is a beautiful uh, locomotive. I mean between you guys and them, you guys are just making it hard not to spend money on model trains.
1: That was our plan. Yes, I'm and glad you're succeeding. It's
2: <laughs> you are succeeding very well. So 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 you're you're modeling obviously modern CSX or do you not really care?
0: You know it's a good Good question, Jim. What I do is I don't as much do an era as I do trains. So I've got three FP7s and a California Zephyr you know, Chris's Genesis locomotives and BLI cars. I've got uh, early Amtrak between proto- Passenger cars and BLI with two of Chris's uh, Genesis SDP 45s for the early Amtrak years. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, cool. And I've got Chris's FP 45 or SDP 40Fs in the uh, Pointless Arrow scheme for a transitional era Amtrak train. So, same thing on Steam, uh, the big boy. I had 52, 53, 40-foot stock cars that I bought or built to go behind the big boy. Now they're behind the the uh, cab Fords I've got. So that's what I do, Jim. So, um, yeah, and I run similar time periods and equipment together, but. Oh, I think today's going to be a pre-war day. So out comes the steam. That's just what I enjoy doing. It's not, you know, so much freezing a day in time because I like okay. them all. I like them all. <laughs> I can't say no.
1: The ADD approach to collecting trains. <laughs> yes, which yes. Is, which is great for companies such as yours. I'm that was not a complaint. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, it's just. I, one time I tried to, you know, target the uh, just before Amtrak. So you're talking, yeah, pre May of 71. And I had a ton of Santa Fe equipment. And then all of a sudden I went, like, yeah, when Santa Fe in 72 brought out the yellow bonnet as they were phasing out of passenger, that's when Chessie brought out the uh, tricolor. Chessie with the big cat down the side. And I went, yeah, because I was still living in Huntington at that time, so I used to see that stuff every day, going down 3rd Avenue, 5th Avenue. And so I went, I think I'll get some Chessie stuff. Yeah, you know, of course, back then it was Blue Box. And, you know, that's when I learned how to scrape off grab irons, and Chichi started making grab irons that could go on there. Oh, there you go. So that's just been the way it's been is just uh, I'm not so much into GEVOs. So I don't have any real late model, you know, like tier four stuff, tier three on the EPA side of it. Because I just. Yeah. But Boku, SD60s, some SD70s those things, ease, PAs. Uh,
2: I think probably my favorite, the look of my favorite modern locomotive would probably be the SD 70s with the flared radiator. Oh, with
0: the flares. Yes.
2: Yeah. That is a um, brute. What was that?
0: I said, that is a brute.
2: Yes. Um, they uh, rode pretty well. Um, you know, nice locomotives. I mean, you know, as far as real locomotives, yes, those those were nice. The um, you ask any railroader who worked for CSX, their favorite locomotive was AC six thousands, but um, they can pull the world down, and you know they just ran great. Um, road foreman didn't like them, but okay. they were very hard on the rail.
0: Oh, okay.
2: And if there was any hint of bad weather, they didn't. Do very well because it was so much horse. I mean, an AC six thousand weighs the same as a um, as forty four hundred. So you have the same amount of weight, but eight like sixteen hundred more horsepower. Actually, they're sixty. They're sixty two hundred horsepower. They're not they're sixty two fifty, not six thousand. But um, so it's a lot more horsepower for the same weight. So when you get any leaves or it's raining or anything like that. They really are, um, they beat the rail up pretty good. Um, so, and they were they were geared in such a way that they were very re- responsive to throttle commands. So, um, unlike the new stuff, the ES-44s, you know, you put it in, you put it from one, one notch to the next, and it takes several, like, 10, 20 seconds for it to spool up, which crews don't like, but, you know it's it kind of alleviates a lot of issues I guess uh, maintenance and the engineer can be not particularly good and not beat up the equipment that way if that makes any sense um, whereas you get when a locomotive is particularly responsive and, and has a lot of horsepower you know uh, engineers can really beat up beat up the trains If they're not good, if they're not good at their job and many of them are not. So I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, but, you know, there's plenty of engineers that aren't that aren't particularly good and they're hard on the equipment. So to alleviate that problem, they tuned all they tuned a lot of the new newer locomotives down. It's also better fuel economy. That's really what they're more concerned with fuel economy. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, so does maintenance. You know, people are beating the locomotives up and, you know, that's not doing them any favors either. But I mean, it's kind of like your vehicle, you know, if you have something in the vehicle that takes you slowly up to 65 miles an hour, you know, if you get onto the highway, say at 45 and put on your crew set your cruise control to sixty. and the car slowly gets up to 65, you're not going to use as much fuel. Whereas, you know, my truck does zero to 60 really fast. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, uh, that's not normally good for fuel economy. Um, very safe on on getting on the highway, but it's not good for fuel economy.
0: Okay, that I can understand that. I saw a blurb the other day on the news and it was a, a new performance version of the 2019 Mustang. Okay. They had, the guy said uh, Cobra but uh-huh. didn't, I didn't see any Cobra markings on it but it was a 5.2 liter not 5 liter but it was
2: 5.2. Yeah.
0: Uh, double overhead cam and I think it was north of 600 horsepower. Okay. <laughs> and he said, if you want to get there quick, he said, uh, the preliminary testing showed zero to 60 with street tires at 3.8 seconds. And I'm going, that'll make your eyes bleed. That <laughs> just, is just daggone quick.
2: My pickup's got 600 horsepower. Okay. I didn't know that when I bought it. I didn't buy it cuz it had I didn't buy it cuz it had 600 horsepower. I bought it cuz like wow, this thing looks cool. And I posted it on my pay, on my Facebook page and somebody said, "You know, this is what you bought, right?" And I looked it up like, "Oh my
0: Oops, didn't mean to do that, but I'm glad I did."
2: Well, kind of. Yeah, it's one of those. I didn't buy it. Everybody's like, "Wow, this thing sounds so great. It's a V8. So, it's, it's a it's a supercharged V8." Okay. Looks a little like a Raptor. It's not a Raptor, but it's Okay. F-150 Raptor. Uh, looks like that, but the uh, Raptor has a, a six-cylinder twin turbo. Okay. And this is a supercharged V8. So.
0: Well, I remember in the early 2000s when they came out with the uh, – there were two of them. One was just a two-door, and it had a supercharged five-liter, and then there was the extended cab. wouldn't afford an extended cab. Totally different paint scheme. had the same motor. They were beautiful trucks. One only came in silver, and – Lightning, that's what they were. Ford had the Lightning yep. pickup. And they were pretty quick back then. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like a Jeep that you can get the, uh, what is it? SRT or STR option on there. <laughs> the thing is just, oh, you want to get five miles per gallon? We can get you there. <laughs> but they're quick. Hey, we got to have our toys, you know? Yeah. Got to have our toys. Yeah, my electric trains don't burn any gas at all, so I'm in good shape. When we uh, changed insurance companies to come out here, they go, hey, do you want to save uh, even more money? Mount this little uh, digital disc on the backside of your mirror and download our phone app. And it's like the commercial with Dennis Halesberg where he goes, you know, we can help avoid this kind of driving and that and save you money. What fun is that? Yeah, so with the app, after you've done your driving or whatever, uh, it tells you, it rates you on five criteria, I think. Acceleration, braking, cornering, staying within the speed limits, and there's one other on there. Oh, phone usage. Well, being new to the area and not knowing where most of this stuff is, I've always got, I look it up on Yelp or on Google Maps and then have it plot the route. So, yeah, the phone's on, but I'm not talking on it or texting on it using the map. But, you know, one of the things that Plano up here in Parker and Murray and all these places, because it's all residential, the schools, if it says 35 or 20, then, uh, you know, the school speed zone yep. lights are on flashing, you had yep. better be doing it because I guarantee you there will be a policeman somewhere in that zone where people like to speed. And, you know, you'll see him go zipping by you and you're doing 30 and you know they're doing 50, but way right. overtook you and stuff. And then sure enough, here comes the lights on and then you see the policeman pulling him over. Oh, and then school zone. If you do it in a school zone, that is really expensive. So, yeah. I'm at the age. I don't need the speed. But if I well, take uh, right 75 down into Dallas for any reason, it's 70 miles an hour. And if you're not doing 80, there are people honking at you. Right. You know? But that's okay.
2: No, I'm not, you know, it's one of those things that I like that it can go as fast as it goes. I, I love how it sounds, but you know, I think had I known it was 600 horsepower when I was looking at it, I wouldn't have bought it. It's like, what do I need that for? I don't need that. Um, I just thought it looked looked nice, was looked cool. Has a double sunroof. It's really oh,
0: wow, double sunroof. Very
2: good. Yeah, yeah. The whole like the whole roof is is open i've only closed the sunroof twice i closed it once and i'm like yeah i'm opening that back up (laughs) Uh, i've never i've never owned a car with a sunroof no have i maybe maybe a long time ago uh you know it's one of these things it's like you know my my facade i was like i'm not going to spend an extra 2500 bucks to get a navigation system that i don't need right just so that i can get a sunroof
0: Oh, okay.
2: Because, like, with Volkswagens, you have to buy, to get the sunroof, you have to buy the the navigation system. I have no interest. You know, I don't need a navigation system. The one on my phone's better than the one you're going to get in the car.
0: Yeah, I never use the navigation that's in my car. I just use the phone. And the top is always down. So if it's going to rain, then I don't go anywhere.
2: said the one in the pickup is really good. The, um... What it, you know, it will display to you as you're coming up to an exit. Oh, okay. Um, it dis- displays what the road looks like. So it oh. actually, like, it shows a picture of where all the lanes are going and which lane you want to get into.
0: That's a neat feature.
2: So, yeah, it actually is a neat feature. And while it's automated, you know, it's a, it's a computer-generated picture. It's not a photograph. Um, it's normally pretty accurate to what you look to what you're going to see so I'm I'm quite impressed
0: well and that is always good to help find train watching locations and train shows so it has mm. a practical application
2: well that's true i mean i, I you know i bought it cuz i'm only working in you know 4 or 5 miles from the house and now i i would always just not go into work when it snowed and now it's like i don't care
0: yeah that's right <laughs>
2: Like, can't oh, say, I can't get in there,
0: not with this beast.
2: Well, it's like, oh, there's three feet of snow at the end of the driveway. I don't care. Drive through
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> drive
2: through it. Just drive through it. Yeah, yeah, just drive through it.
0: Yeah, well, there's, you know, it's amazing out here. There are train tracks everywhere. And some of them, even this far out, like going towards. Murphy and the other places and up north, are welded rail. And the rail tops are shiny. And even the ones that are still jointed rail, the rail tops are shiny. But in two months, I have yet to see a train. I see the commuter trains, you know, the rapid transit. And some of those share some of the main north-south lines. But I have yet to see... Or even here a train in two months really yeah I have no idea where they are I'm sure they're here Dallas Fort worth all that like I say there's train tracks and train crossings everywhere and they've got shiny rails so I know they've been used so well they also may be running
2: everything at night because of the and you know any commuter trains so um... could be
0: and they're all silent crossings uh right they have uh drop bars and flashing lights but there's no train whistles
2: so do they have do they have the barriers up so you can't get through
0: yeah when the when a train comes
2: yeah well because there are some crossings where you know there's some crossing with gates that you can get around it whereas new these these are pretty close jim yeah, these are the Uber crossings where you yeah. actually can't get through. Yeah, there are some, we have some of those around here. Um, we kind of call them, you know, Uber crossings because they they have the barriers between the lanes. Okay. And And we have cameras in them. There are cameras and sensors to know if somebody's tried to go around the gates. Oh. That will trip the signals for us. So if there's somebody in there as you're coming, it, it will trip the signal so that you know there's something in the way. Okay. Yeah, because wow. they don't they they don't want us, you know, blowing the horn. Of course, um, one of the towns in um, Hangham, they uh, when they were when they were reopening the Greenbush line, the town made such a stink about the train going through that they said oh you gotta build a tunnel you know we don't want you we don't want the the train going through the town what about all the kids oh people are gonna be getting killed and blah 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 well now that they saw the um, how the 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 commuter line really benefited yeah the the other towns along the route they're like oh we want we want it going through the town (laughs) and it's like okay we spent how many millions of dollars to build this stupid tunnel so guess what no <laughs>
0: yeah I had your chance and you lost
2: it yeah you know you were you're so so uptight about the train coming through the middle of town that we you know we bowed to pressure and um yeah no no we're not going to take the tunnel out okay
0: Chris, here in Illinois, have you been getting this terrible weather?
1: Well, we've been getting a lot of rain.
0: Okay, but you've missed all the tornadoes.
1: Yeah, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> There's always instances in Illinois where, you know, things kind of turn turn quick, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the other night, there was a real bad storm that kind of came through here, and... We're right next to a golf course with a lot of trees and okay, you, you know, just shrubbery and stuff. Well, the other night, there was something that came through here, and it ripped right through here. It, I mean, trees were sideways, and it was so bad. Wow. We found out the following day that it broke these mature trees in half. I mean, big trunks, at least you know, 14 inches plus, snapped in half. So there must have been something that ripped through through here, but I don't know if it was a tornado it might have just been high winds but yeah that, that was that was kind of an eye-opener.
0: The uh, Plano is kind of rolly. It actually reminds me of parts of West Virginia and uh, New England even Kentucky there. Uh, so we're on a bluff and but these aren't when I say it's rolly I don't mean. It's not going to stress you to go up and a, on a bike, but the, uh, I guess 56 years ago, there was a big country club out here called Los Rios. And you drive by it on the way uh, to go to the Kroger store or whatever. And the other day we had, I have never seen this much rain fall. And it just did just for an hour or so. Windy. Never saw rain like this, even in New Orleans. So the next day when I went past where the old country club was, I mean, all the cart paths are there. Some of the aid stations are still there. You can see where the greens were, Uh, you know, all the fairways. It's just, it's no longer a country club. It was a lake. (laughs) It was a big lake. Yes big lake and then the next day it had all drained because the, you know, the streams and the creeks and they go down to the Trinity River or wherever but you could see where it had been because all the grass was brown from all the dirt but oh, holy cow I think they said we had five inches of rain up here in Plano in that you know, five, 12 hour period or something like that which is a lot of My rain gosh. And Wow. Huge rain yesterday, but no wind. Uh, they had a tornado go about 20 miles uh, southeast of us, and it did some damage down there, but up here it was just no wind at all. It was just straight down like a fireman was up in a aerial ladder with his hose on. I just wondered because, you know, over where we used to live and. North of Dayton. They got hammered the other day by a hurricane or tornado. Went up through there and did a lot of damage.
1: Yeah. It's
0: that time of of year. So, anything else you guys want to talk about?
1: Actually, I got something.
0: What's that? Let's talk.
1: This is kind of cool. And the implications could be pretty big across multiple scales. And I just posted... A, a link into the chat and i'm going to post this youtube video on our facebook page for our listeners to kind of check it out have okay. you ever have either of you guys ever heard of the youtube channel called strange parts
0: strange parts no i can't tell you that i have
1: all right it, it, it's it's more of like a tech focused channel where you know the guy kind of he's a hobbyist as far as like electronics he likes figuring out you know different builds and Kind of customization for electronic things in general. Okay. One of those videos that kind of piqued my interest was he found something called a wireless LED and it does not have any batteries. Okay. And, and what they do in Japan, This is, he's over in Japan right now, uh, model makers in Japan use these wireless LEDs to, you know, If they're building sort of like a robot model or something. Yeah. And they don't want to string wires through it to light it up. They use these wireless LEDs and put them in locations on the model without any wiring. And they have sort of like a, like a kind of like a charging pad for your, for your uh, cell phone.
0: Yeah.
1: And that provides the energy. Can they be recharged? Well, that's the thing. There's no batteries.
0: Oh well, how do you renew the the power?
1: Uh, the there's this pad that's kind of like a, a cell phone recharger that oh, you put the what model you were
0: talking on. About. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. You put the model on for like display, and all the LEDs light up. And so I started thinking, you know, what are what what are the implications for this as far as like model railroading? first thing that kind of came to mind were, like, well, what about cars? You know, turning on headlights and things like that and just, like, have a parking lot or something where you can just drop different cars and stuff if you're a, a, a scale car enthusiast, you know?
0: Or a street yep. scene on a model railroad.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, you could even do sort of, like, any, any sort of vehicle, whether it be, like, construction like a my jack or something like that, you can use that same sort of system to to power up the, the LEDs in something, you know. So I started even thinking, well, what about certain signals <laughs> or mm-hmm. street lights? You know, those street lights where you can't really get wiring through because it's so delicate and thin, you know? It's like, yeah.
0: Now I'm looking, he's, he's holding one there between chopsticks, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> especially chopstick. And it's lit up. (laughs) Yeah, pink. Do they come in different sizes? Well, I'm gonna go look at the the video once we're done. But that Mm. is amazing.
1: It's a neat idea, and I think that it could really lend itself to model railroading. O scale, G scale, any sort of scale. I think we we could do some stuff with it. Well, I mean, like with buildings. Fantastic. Mm Um. Just plop the building down onto
2: the charging station thingy. Right. Yeah, especially like
0: I was gonna say, what is is it Akiba? Is that your name?
1: You know, I
2: forgot the name. Akihaba. The it's like a camera store. He I, I was watching it with you know the thing muted, and it's like a camera store department store. They've got wine, cameras, model trains, everything in that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yodobashi. It's Yodobashi Akiba. Okay. It's kind of a chain camera store.
1: That's cool. All right. Yeah.
0: Oh, but you're right, Chris. I mean, boy, just the mind boggles that, especially with no wires, how you could use this in model railroading.
1: Well, if there's enough current to power up an LED, I mean, how much more current would it take to drive like a receiver or a motor or something like that. So you could do RC cars without having to worry about a battery. You know what I'm saying? You could make a street with this charging platform. Yes. And just put your, your model car on the street and it powers it up where you don't need to ever use a battery.
0: Wow, oh,
1: that's neat. That, that would be pretty incredible. <laughs>
0: Yes, wow, because light emitting diode, but it doesn't it's amazing what the science is behind the energy that's lighting the diode
1: I know it, it this is like science fiction from the eighties you know <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. we're living it. it this is this is just a crazy time, and there's just so many neat little technologies like this that are are borderline magical. It makes sense when you kind of dig how it works, but you know. Oh yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you know, going from three lay, three rail Lionel up to, you know, code 83 track and DCC sound and all that kind of stuff. Wireless uh, cab controllers, you know, utilizing Bluetooth and so forth yeah it's uh, it's amazing it is amazing now and you don't have to i'm not looking for an answer especially if it were proprietary but you yeah. know we've seen changes being made in some of the technology behind the the models like motors they've improved. Yeah. Now we've got guys doing coreless motors, which mm-hmm. I guess the benefit there is it takes less power to run a coreless motor. Right. Okay. So who knows what is going to come about?
1: I I could see a lot of a lot of benefit to modules or portable scenes where you don't want to deal with a whole lot of wiring, especially in a building. Right, right. You know?
0: Well, you mentioned this item from Japan could light HO scale headlights in a car. Right. And you can buy those cars now, but the lights are wired. So you still got to go under your layout and either purchase, you know, the harness distribution network or somehow hook into... A power source so that your nighttime city street can have headlights on it. This just made that a lot simpler.
1: It made it a lot more accessible and a lot quicker. I mean, RPM meets could start involving vehicle modelers that want to go this route. Yeah. And you can almost just have them put the car down on this scene and it'll power up. (laughs) You know? Amazing. I, I, and I, I think the headlights are just tip of the iceberg.
0: Oh, I think you're
1: right. You, we could probably figure out a reasonable control system without batteries Yeah. that will dr- drive the vehicle H-O, O-scale, S-scale, whatever. N-scale might be a little tricky, but it's plausible. And And you kind of open up a whole new side of the hobby where you have kind of micro RC cars. You might remember, Paul, going back, I I remember when I was first getting into model railroading. it was so cool to integrate like a slot car system with your model railroad.
0: Taika used to make a slot car racing that it was just a figure eight, but it also had an HO scale train to add that little element as it made its circle, and you were racing the cars, and this is in that Late 50s, early 60s, Tyco had that, so I know right. what you mean.
1: So what would be the, the, the ultimate version of that now? What what would be the modern version of that now? I think this would be pretty darn close,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would. And so we've got the motor powered. Mm-hmm. We have the technology to do proportional steering on it. We right. do that in RC right now. Right. And if we jump that over to HO scale, N scale locomotives, all right, so we've got the power grid, power element under the table. <laughs> you know, and then, so we just need a controller mm-hmm. wireless that modulates how much power flows through the decoder to whatever next generation motor that would use that little bit of power efficiently and right. then blow the horn and do all that other stuff. Right. Wow. Oh, yeah. Turning lights on and off in the uh, passenger cars, uh, rear end lights. I mean, some of the stuff we do now, but it's complicated wiring.
1: Well, you know, let, let's say you take a, let's say you take a truck. You know, and you know, there's lights on that trailer. Yes,
0: clearance lights.
1: Yeah, there's well, clearance lights on there. Okay. I mean, there's uh, there's also lights on. Or so I'm looking at this 150th
2: scale dump truck that I have in my hand. Yeah. And you've got the clearance lights on the top. You got the headlights. You've got, do you got. I mean, probably the coolest thing is wouldn't be the headlights you would be. You'd want to do the flashers.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: You know, just you know, things sitting on the side of the road with the flashers going, and on a lot of these truck bodies, you have the lights up in the um, up in the body themselves, and then the lights underneath, and um, you know, lights on the I menu. Do all sorts of stuff, like like you know, cab lights, and just so, you know, those those LEDs look a little big, but you, I mean, I don't. You know, I'm trying to see how they fit in this thing. Headlights would probably work. I don't know about the rest of it.
0: Well, it depends on,
2: Jim, the, the size. sizes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, can we get 0603s 03s, 0402s, whatever, uh, whatever the well, limits of the technology
1: presently are, and can well, they improve them? What's really interesting Go ahead. about this If you watch the video, he kind of goes through and deconstructs it just to figure out how it works. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And what he ended up doing was just using a coil of just regular motor wire, copper motor wire.
0: Okay.
1: And soldering one lead to one side of an LED, and then the other side of the coil to the other side of the LED. He put it on the charging station. That's pretty much what it is. And the thing turned on. You could use whatever size LED you want, as long as there's like a coil, a, a copper coil, that is there to power to, you know, convert that, those electrons into power for the LED. All
0: right. Now. It,
1: it's it's dumbfounding. It's magic, I swear. <laughs> all right, and this guy's in Japan. Yeah, he, he goes around to different countries, Kind of does some electronic goofing around, you know. Well, he's all, he's all, he, he's obviously an American, yeah. you know, and he's
2: going around to these different places. So, uh, he might, yeah, that's his hotel room. He's playing around in his hotel room, de- deconstructing this thing. So.
0: Well, Chris, suggestion. once you contact him on a professional level mm-hmm. as Chris at Athern and say you'd like to talk and – See if he would come on and do a podcast with us. Just not getting into proprietary information, but just somehow the answers to the questions, Hey, how does it work?
1: Mm-hmm. Because obviously, yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I think, I think that'd be a good move.
0: I'm going to go watch the video whenever we're done. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I can click on this link right here and it'll, uh,
1: it should take you right to the video.
0: Okay. Well, I'll wait till we're done. Anything else?
1: that That's what I was kind of scheming about. I i do this every now and then again. Uh, cool. I, I go onto YouTube and just kind of check out other yeah. hobbies and kind of see what's going on out there. And it, it's been leading the fruit like this. So I'm going to continue to check things out.
0: <laughs> what was the first thing you described it as? Sticky parts or something like that?
1: Strange parts. Strange
0: parts,
1: okay. It's a a, a, a tongue-in-cheek name for his channel, and it it is absolutely strange electronic parts, but it can be misconstrued a couple different ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was being facetious. All right. How about you, Jim? You got anything else you want
2: to add? Um, I don't know if I talked about the... um, the new couplers that came out that I demoed. I saw demoed the photos at the of
0: them. Tell me, you did.
2: Them. Well, they're they're done by Jimmy Booth, who Jimmy Booth is the proprietor of uh, Glacier Park Models, and he okay. hasn't decided whether he's going to be coming out with them, but they're um, they're basically they're, they're just they're his uh, ProtoCraft slash clouser type coupler, but with the shelves and everything on them. Okay, and of okay. course when. When I went to the show, you'll kind of appreciate this, uh, Chris. So I go to the show, and and I'm going to the Proto 48. And, you know, does anybody have anything new? Now, bear in mind that in O scale, there are no – well, there are now. There are no double-shelf couplers. There are no blower-shelf couplers. There are no anything other than KDs and Clouser couplers, right?
0: Okay.
2: Okay? Right. So – I have in my hand the only existing Type E double lower shelf couplers and Type H tight locks. Okay. Very accurate Type H tight locks. They are the only ones that exist in the world that are in my hand in this meeting. And what do you think? And what do you think somebody asked?
0: Can you make them? Can I buy them?
2: Nope. Nope. What's the difference? No, they didn't ask that. No, it's worse. Than, it's worse than that. Why didn't you do the Type F? <laughs> now, do you know what? The, do you know what the difference between a Type H and a Type F is? Um, I know Chris probably does. Do you know what it is?
0: No, Paul, I do not. I do not.
2: Basically, uh, a Type H, the Type H tight lock is the coupler that have, has been on passenger equipment since the since the 50s. Okay. It just re- reduces the amount of slack that occurs in passenger equipment. A type F is a type H with the lower shelf. That's what it is. You see type Fs on the rotary couplers normally. So on, you know, on dumps. Uh, yeah, you know. And but I it's like these are the only couplers that exist at all. Like the only person that's even gone through the effort of making these things because everybody says there's no market for them at all. And the first question I got was, why didn't you do the Type-F? <laughs> <It's> like, really? <laughs> really? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, I and and I basically said what I just said to him at the meeting. I was like, really? These things don't exist <laughs> except in my hand right now. And you're complaining about the one thing you don't have. It's like, well, you did all this other stuff. Why didn't you do that? People don't quite understand that when you're designing something out of nothing, and you may, you may know this, Chris, it, it, takes
0: well.
2: a, it takes a lot of mental energy to create something out of nothing. And then it gets to a certain point where you just, you know, I, I did the uh, type E double shelf. I did the type E lower shelf. I did the type H tight lock. And then I just ran out of gas. Mentally, mentally, I ran out of gas and it's like, uh, and, and you never get, you never get back in the groove to do it is what happened. Um, I had wanted to do the type F. I just didn't get there, you know, because you're trying to make a program. You're trying to make solid works. You're trying to copy somebody's line drawing. Cause I have a line drawing, not a 3d model. So I have to create the 3d model from a line drawing and then make it so it works. And then you know, put all the pa- yeah. You, you probably
1: you understand, Chris. Uh, it's- yeah. Well, now you, you understand about the fifty three forty four box car, don't you? <laughs> well, let's see that no no. You know the difference between
2: that is <laughs> is I have all the work, work done. I'd give it to you. You just won't. Oh, do it. okay. There's a big difference with it. It's like I have all the work. I have all the three D models done.
1: But well, what about you, the double door, the fifty-two uh, footer? What? There, there's a fifty-two foot version of that car. Where? Where's that? I have that too. Neener, <laughs> neener, Don't, 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 don't,
2: don't bother me with silly details like where is it? It's like I have it. You just said, no, we don't do O scale. So it's like okay, all the models are done. It's like oh well. All the hard parts done. Well, that and the $500,000 to tool it, but that's neither here nor there. Small things. All minor Uh, details. Minor details. Minor details. No, other than that, I mean, he did it. He did it in good. I wasn't really upset, but I was really like, really, dude? Really? It's like, uh, typical prototype modeler. (laughs) It's like, well, okay, so we did all these patch jobs, the Santa Fe, wh- which one is the Santa Fe patch jobs that you did, right? So yep. it was, the, oh, no, it's the, it's, you did the Chessie locomotives that went to the Santa Fe. Okay. The Chessie GP40s. Those,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And yeah. someone, you know, someone, well, why didn't you do 6222? You yep. did 6222. 62- 21 and you did 6223. I want 6222. Okay. why didn't you do that one? Well, just think of it as an opportunity for you to do some detailing.
1: But I don't wanna. Uh-huh. There's an opportunity for you to have something unique. Yes.
0: Yes, there you go.
2: <laughs> but I don't wanna. Yep. Well, now you have to. So
0: yeah.
2: because during our um, uh, what is it? During our um, investigation phase, we knew that Tom Smith from um, from Idaho uh, wanted this one particular sixty two twenty two, and we didn't like you so much that we decided we weren't going to do it. So, what what are you talking about? It says we just knew you were a jerk. So. We decided not to do it just for you. What? Yep. Isn't it nice to be important? Don't you feel special though? No. Oh, well. You'll get over it. No, that was it. Um, No, just that. that. I haven't really been doing a lot of modeling lately. I have a uh, a Atlas MP15 I have torn apart that I have to put in a, uh, I want to put in a decoder and a battery. System. I have the battery system and everything from uh, uh, Duncan McCree okay. um, that I need to install. And what got me tied up is I have to design a plate for everything to mount on to fit inside the locomotive, which I can do. I just haven't done it. Or I can just, you know, it's one of these things You're, I'm overthinking it, and I really should just put the stupid thing inside the engine. Grab a
1: decoder, buddy. Huh?
0: Yeah. Decoder buddy.
1: Decoder buddy. Decoder buddy? What? Decoder buddy. Decoder. Dakota. What is it? Daco- what? <laughs> it's a, a mother. It's a really nifty thing that we talked about earlier in the podcast. Oh. Okay. Sorry. I, That's all right. I was AFK. <laughs> as far as I know. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be watching that video too. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it could be there could be a nice part two to this. This is kind of like the introduction. Yes. And there might be some neat ideas that come out from watching that video. I just yeah. posted it to the Facebook. Everybody will be, you know, by the time this comes out, it'll be old news on Facebook. But it'll be there. So anyone that wants to check it out can do so. Well,
0: I'm going to start yeah, think, yeah. editing in the morning and uh, try and have it posted Uh, Over the weekend, I'll give Joe a heads up that it's coming.
1: Okay. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, hey, guys. Thank you very much for your time.
1: No problem. Thank you. Thanks. Good night, guys. All right. Good night.